Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and I am so happy to be welcoming you back here today. It is Saturday, May 8, 2021. And today I am going to talk about something I actually blogged about earlier in the week, and I felt it was worth talking about on the program. And this is actually on our continuing theme and yet a perfect demonstration of this notion of skepticism and trust. And I'm sending this particular message out not necessarily to skeptics who may be somewhat resistant, although you are totally welcome to listen because Luke Skywalker is such an excellent example, Um, but also to people who are spiritual and feel that skeptics won't change. It is my contention that once you witness the miraculous nature of this world and beyond, of the multiverse, and it's becoming more and more mysterious for those who are studying quantum physics, more and more mystifying to the point where scientists are saying and Let's not, let's broaden that term scientist. Sometimes people use the term scientist to refer to materialist, to someone who only believes and actually has a firm belief in the mechanical nature of the world and the universe. That is not solely a scientist, even though many people try to define scientists that way. That is a subset of scientists. There are many scientists, in fact, I, in a little bit, I think I'm going to bring one on the line who just happens to be here today, um, and I'm also a scientist, who are doing honest research. That is a true scientist in the sense of science has always been about paradigms changing, doing real observation, and seeing things that are essential that cannot be statistically explained. I have had things conveyed to me recently that are just very unlikely statistically to the point of being impossible. Not to mention, and it is very important to say this at the outset, in the realm of healing, because that has been very much ignored in the past year by a lot of people, just how important it is 
for someone to feel loved and in the presence of someone. And I think I told a story um, that I had heard on the news, which I'll relay again briefly here, and then I'm going to read something from my blog about Luke Skywalker, um, about someone who I believe was actually in the medical profession and was somehow able to see her husband who was hooked up to a ventilator and thought it was thought he was going to die and yet once his once his loved one was by his side he woke up and i know of another story from years ago from a dear friend who had something similar happen stage 4 cancer spinal cancer was going to die was in the hospital surrounded by her children and she ended up surviving and is still here today after many years including relatives i have told the story of my aunt before who essentially got up and walked when she was in the hospital with polio i have personally experienced healing others in my family have personally experienced healing and as i've noted before for those of you coming into this program from multiple spiritual backgrounds my particular family, my grandfather was a um, kind of a, a very adventurous minister, let's just put it that way, and, and in that particular church, they fully believed that healing was possible and witnessed it, and the other side of the family became involved with that church only because my aunt was healed. I mean, she, and we have seen it again and again, and many of you have, and you know it, those of you in the spiritual community. And we cannot get to this point where we are just agreeing by default with those who claim that that's not possible because we have personally witnessed things just disappear. Something's on an ultrasound, just gone, just like that. And those who know the history of this program will know that, you know, there are things I've talked about over the years, although there have been many, many episodes, and with guests. So let's get to this blog. What does this have to do with Luke Skywalker? It has a lot to do with Luke Skywalker. Um, this past week, on May 4th, many people have fun with Star Wars Day, and I've posted different things on Star Wars Day before, and this time I decided to post something about Luke's spiritual journey and what it meant for me personally and what it really conveys as a symbol for all of us, as an example, because we live in a world that is magical, that is quantum, that is miraculous, however you label it. I'll talk to some of my audience who, you know, again, I know you're very diverse. Um, the power of prayer. There was a day of prayer in the past week. Within um, the context of my grandfather's church, that was a very conservative path. I'm on a kind of hybrid path, that, and many of us are, and you know it, those of you who are out there where you've combined different elements over your life because they're, you know, the notion of God being love. And that comes up in my blog as well because I am not, despite the, the label on this show, a believer strictly in an impersonal force. There is nothing impersonal about 
what is available to us. There is nothing impersonal about the divine, however you label it. There is nothing impersonal about spirit. And it is intensely personal. And anyone who has had any kind of spiritual experience knows it is so much love that it it overflows. You don't know what to do with that much love. And people have been feeling this and exploring it and working within the space of it in multiple cultures, multiple places on the earth, and in multiple ways, and in multiple traditions, including non-traditional traditions, if there's such a thing. So, okay, I'm going to... This blog will will really describe what it is I want to talk about here. It was from May 4th, and by the way, if you want to read my blog, it's no longer daily. That was a bit much, and I want to go a bit deeper with the entries. So I do it when I feel so called, but pretty much every week I'm posting something at least. And you can find it on FrontierBeyondFear.com. Just select blog, and you'll be over there. When Luke Skywalker trusted and then there is a quote use the force luke let go from obi-wan kenobi in star wars and also a video is on the blog where you can play this segment given it is may the 4th star wars day it is the perfect time for an important reminder one that had a lasting impact I could only just begin to glimpse when I first encountered it in 1977. I could spend some time talking about what it was like in 1977 to view the first movie in a spectacular old-school cinerama, in quotes, theater, one of the best, I would wager, even though cinerama was no longer used in 1977. Oh, yes, my first encounter with Star Wars was an all-encompassing experience and everything about it. My older brother had gone to see it with my mother on opening day while I was at school in junior high. He had seen an article about it in time, and they decided to go to the first showing. Apparently, it was very easy to get into that day, even at this wonderful unparalleled theater that no longer exists, like most theaters like that. My mother was not one to stand in line at movies, and they didn't expect a line. They were simply going to a movie together that was supposed to be good. He told me later I would like it and that it was about a princess. That's not why I liked it. I'm not even sure I knew yet why I not only liked it, I loved it. And I did everything I could to see it again and again after that first viewing. It changed my relationship with the movies forever, but not just that. I already had a regular relationship with magical stories by that age. Luke taught me something, something important, something I'd need quite a bit later in life. He didn't trust at first. He didn't believe. I was never a skeptic like Luke, and some people, not even as a child or a teen. He didn't believe in any of it at first. 
But what he ultimately demonstrated for all of us in that first film, and let's not confuse it with its later renumbering, for those of us who saw it first, it was the first, was trust. It wasn't total trust, not exactly, but it was enough in the moment. A sudden flash of trust that astonished and at first alarmed others just about everyone else in his immediate circle, some of whom claimed to believe in it, but not yet enough. In panic, they asked him why his computer was off. Wouldn't he need that? Actually, no. It was a hindrance to what it was he needed to do, and he had guidance far better. Some people claim to believe in the Force, just as it is described in Star Wars. The force was always far too mechanical for me. The real force is much more loving and mysterious. It also, it too invites us to trust. Every single day, it is asking us to trust, even those like Luke who may not believe in it completely. That's a tall order. And there are always those searing, misguided skeptics who try to scuttle the thing, but they'd know it as well if they could see it. When you see it, when you see what this is, when you see how, quote, impossibly, unquote, magical and miraculous and loving it actually is, there is no more skepticism. You simply know You may not know everything about what this is, but you surely do know something's happening. Luke's trust, with the help of some insistent guidance, saved the day. He still used technology, though one could argue it is ultimately extraneous, and everything changed. The same can happen for us. I'm thankful to Star Wars for not exactly planting a seed, as I was no stranger to magical stories, but for doing whatever it did in the way that it did it. It changed me forever, I sense. It only becomes more necessary and important as the years unfold. And like Luke, many of us continue to learn. I believe what this is is entirely capable of saving our day as well, and I also sense we are going to need it. So that was my blog post from May 4th, Star Wars Day. And as I say this, I also want to note something. I was listening to a radio program where I've I've called in before in the past on this show and they were talking about tonight there's an object falling from space it's a booster rocket which is very large which failed in the launch of a Chinese um, rocket where they do it differently and the booster vehicle is very very large and it went into orbit by accident and so now and that just happened late in April And what comes up has to come down because it's in low orbit. And it is, I heard last night, it's spinning. It's showing flashes of spinning. I haven't heard the latest 
about it, but it's spinning out of control, and it's going to fall somewhere. Chances are it will fall in the ocean. But this also brought up the question of near-Earth objects in general and so many other things. And this is not the first time on this program that I have said technology is not going to help any civilization. It's certainly not at the level that we are with that kind of a threat to the planet, with basically anything. And there are many things that, that even on a normal universal day will threaten any given planet. Now, one could say we could have some protection. Those of us who are spiritual can believe in that as well. It doesn't mean we live in a cold and random universe. It's a multiverse. But what apparently there's, there have been recent studies, and again, um, I, I heard about this recently, that they're studying, you know, how do you stop a near-Earth object? And basically, they don't have a way. If it was big enough, there's just no, no guaranteed way of stopping it. And I don't think there's any way of stopping this rocket if it, wherever it's going to fall. And, you know, it could fall anywhere. So how do we feel about that? Are we trusting how do we feel? If you lived in Luke Skywalker's world and you had Yoda available, well, I know what he would do. And the thing is, is if you become a more spiritual civilization than technological, even if you have technology with you along the way, amazing things can happen. Yoda says in a different movie, there's no difference between a rock and a ship. The real answer, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, is telekinesis. It's that simple. That's the answer. The planets that are able to shield themselves, and this is assuming that there isn't additional protection, which there very well may be, miraculous, mysterious, that defies statistics, that is absolutely possible because it happens in real life, But let's just go beyond that. As you develop as a society, if you're not developing spiritually, you are likely, it is very possible, and I have actually seen indications of this um, myself, that you will be eliminated because you just haven't raised your spiritual quotient high enough. You're like the dinosaurs. You're you're really just infants. I mean, you're playing with sticks and stones. That's what you're doing. If you're not raising your spiritual level as a civilization, and it's very possible that it is the spiritual civilizations that do ultimately survive, which is probably a good thing because the other ones you probably wouldn't want to encounter. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen that somebody else couldn't survive, but they could go down a really dark path if they did. So, And most of those are going to destroy themselves anyway before they get very far. This is a pretty complex and nuanced topic, and I haven't done this in the recent series of shows, and we're going to go into overtime. I can guarantee that's probably true. So if you're listening live... Um, You'll be able to hear it in the podcast after. Um, there's someone on the line, I think, has 
something to say to us and has studied a lot about all the different things that can happen on the planet and, in fact, has many, many broadcasts herself on this topic. And it's Joan Serio, who just appeared on the line and actually did some weeks ago, but I didn't recognize the number. But I did today, (laughs) so um, I am going to welcome Joan Serio to talk with me about this topic on the program. Hello, Joan. Are you there? There. (laughs) She's not available yet. I'm going to mute her. I think I surprised her. She's listening by phone. (laughs) Well, see, that's what I get for bringing somebody on. (laughs) Because on this show, typically right now, I'm not bringing guests on right now. This is a relaxed and casual exploration that we're having together. So, Joan, you're muted right now. I'll bring you back on in a minute. Um, I don't have the chat. Actually, you can message me. Why don't you message me? I don't have a good place for you to message me right now. Anyway, I'll try again in a minute. (laughs) And if you're not able to, that's okay. But um, let's talk just a little bit more about you know, the story of Luke Skywalker, and I'm not talking about the later movies. There are some of us who have never really been able to get our minds around the later movies, truthfully, even though, you know, they, especially the latest series has been more interesting to us. But when we were young, like I was, when the first one came out, I was a young teen, it just had such an amazing impact on me and on all of my friends and you know, especially anyone who enjoyed science fiction or reading fantasy and science fiction, which I did, it just had a special impact. And we'd never seen special effects that good. I mean, we can talk about another movie, which is 2001. That came when I was really young, so I would have only seen that on TV. It actually played at the same theater, and it probably was in Cinerama or in some early version of it. That's more of a late 60s thing. 2001 has an interesting message here as well, because the beginning, which when I was young, everyone was mystified by the beginning. What does it mean? The ape throws a bone in the air, and it becomes a spacecraft in the movie. What they're saying, that is the age of the tool. It totally accents what I just said, that it's not necessarily... A higher age. It's higher than, you know, running around um, just lighting fires and, you know, um, hunting and gathering. Sure. But it's sort of like the culmination, that symbolic beginning of 2001. And talking about the movie here is about that's an era. That is a phase. The phase of the tool and they they bring it to its highest level for them. You know, they're making spaceships now. That's that bone in the air that he first uses in, in that segment in battle. You know, he's using a tool, gets brought to its logical conclusion. And then by the end of the movie, which mystified so many people, you know, this was just such a, um almost psychedelic type movie to people, at the time, and as a child, it was really kind of hard to comprehend all of this. It took a while to get it. Um, 
well, they're having a higher experience. In fact, a timeless experience. In fact, this person's even meeting versions of himself and those who have had higher experiences. And I was even seeing something. um, It was within the um, Circle of Fire group down south. And, And I believe they were in Peru. I talked about this a few episodes ago, watching this ceremony Um, When I was helping with this online event, they played a film of a ceremony where part of it was communicating with your future self. And when you're having a higher experience or a visionary experience like what happened at the end of 2001, all kinds of things like that can happen. And you yourself will grow and become more intuitive. And I'm not saying just go run out run out and have a vision quest. I'm not telling you to do this. For some people it just happens because there are also dangers to higher states of consciousness. But even, you know, many have reported there have been there was one physicist, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a physicist or a biologist who won the Nobel Prize. He actually glimpsed his discovery while in a in that case it was the sixties in a psychedelic state. Again, I'm not encouraging you to run out and do that, but when we look at cultural tradition looking all the way back, um, there have been many things. The mystery schools um, were known for raising your spiritual level, and they've happened in many traditions. Um, And so anyway, I'm going to try bringing Joan on again, but if you're listening live, um, just a note that um, we'll probably be talking through the end of the live program and you can find this show at FrontierBeyondFear.com. I'm continuing to broadcast live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And I'm thankful to Blog Talk Radio for putting the show on their front page while live, which it is right now. And I thank anyone who happened to discover it that way, just clicking on this random thing. And I hope that um, it had something to say to you today. And, okay, I'll say one more word to the live audience, then we'll see if Joan is available. Um, If you're a skeptic, if you're looking at this with great skepticism, all I can tell you is when you start to personally witness and prove, and I mean prove, to yourself with evidence that you can show, but it's not always easy necessarily to show to others. Some people have that. Not all of it's going to be that way, but it's stuff that you can, it's, it's solid, solid things in your environment that do not statistically make sense. And studying quantum physics, some of that is really hard to grasp and to the point where some scientists, I started to say this at the beginning, are saying that this universe is some kind of simulation or a game, you know, but they don't include the divine in the equation, just some higher race that's created, you know, something like the holodeck, and that's what we're on. I'm doing that with the divine in the equation, those of us who are spiritual, however we define it. So anyway... Thank you, live audience, if you've been with us live. Now I'm going to try Joan again, and we'll go into overtime a little bit and see what she has to say about all this, if she's available. If not, 
we'll just end the show shortly. I don't have a way of messaging her right now because my computer is in a kind of limiting state and my phone is unavailable. So um, I'm just going to bring her on real quick. I'm here, Taking Susan. Ah, you're here now. <laughs> Sorry to surprise you. This is a very I was putting my program. earphones on before oh. so you could hear me better, and I didn't get them on in time. So I see. I thought maybe you know you were just listening by phone or something, and because that I happens. I am listening by phone. Or, well, I know you are, but I just didn't know. So anyway, we're all having a nice conversation here. This is uh, to the audience. That's what this show is just a conversation with a friend. Joan is a friend of mine. And so I'm curious, Joan, what do you have to say about all of this? <laughs> well, I think that we are the force. Mm-hmm. I don't, we're not separate from anything. Um, right. And the, the unified field, um, the divine matrix, whatever you want to call it, flows through us. We're part of it. It's part of us. And, and everything is entangled, if you want to use scientific terms and so that the force is within us and the force is with us (laughs) it's always with us you know may the force be with us may the force be with us may it is within us and it's it's part of our awakening uh, for us to realize it and to utilize it yes yes yeah i mean Essentially, you can't be without it. I mean, it's what we are. We, it's that omnipresence, um, mm-hmm. and however mm-hmm. you label it. And we may not know it. it. Wouldn't you say, Joan, it's been my feeling that once you become more aware, you think about things that maybe happened in your childhood, or, I mean, you realize it was with you all along. I mean, it's like one of the best, it's like all the best science fiction stories really and fantasy where you know you have the <laughs> unlikely person who doesn't know what the heck is going I mean just like Luke and you know mm-hmm. some really bad things happen to Luke too you know you don't talk about that too but in that first Star Wars movie I mean they killed the people his relatives <laughs> they killed it and he sees their skeletons well, they're burning in the field I mean that's that's pretty bad and he you know and the the he was threatened I mean that whole galaxy was threatened at that time well, just think of what each of us goes through to awaken. Yeah. And we all go through our dark night of the soul. Yeah. And our ancestors have gone through uh, millennia of, of um, wars and battles and yeah. uh, horrific things um, until we awaken yeah. to the truth of who we are. Yes. So I think you know, a lot of um, it is just... Uh, symbolism of what what humanity yeah. is all, you know, what we're all here to experience in a larger perspective. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it can feel so dark what has gone on in the history of this planet or even what continues to happen in place. I mean, it's it can feel like, you know, why? You know, why even... How, whatever the reason, whether for growth, whether for expansion, you know, why create such a place? And, you know, you always come back to free will. It seems like on every path, 
there's a free will aspect and a growth aspect here and a cyclic aspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything cycles. Yeah. Everything well, spirals I, around. Yeah. In the last program, I was encouraging people to read more and study history which I've started doing. And if you study Mesopotamia, for example, it's like one civilization after another. And also the nature of time changes. You realize this is such what we think of as a long time, even within yeah. just common history. Don't keep spirituality out of it. Um, it's almost nothing. I mean, just how long these eras were and some of these civilizations and and it makes us feel really minuscule and yet they still ended i mean there were you know these civilizations you know they had their their big times and then you know then they wane and then another one rises up yeah it's all in a cycle and time i mean just think about how long it took for consciousness, even if you look at uh, Carl Kellman's work with um, mm-hmm. with the calendar, the Mayan calendar, and uh, you know it's uh, a pyramid shape. Because now, yeah. I mean, we we've we've ended one calendar, we're starting another. But you know, time is is um, not necessarily speeding up, according to uh, Ian Lungold, who was a student of the calendar and a student of Carl Kellman's, but that creation actually is speeding up right now. But time is different now. We don't need all that time that we needed before to learn Mm -hmm. lessons, um, Mm -hmm. to wake up to certain things. So that, to me, is our biggest hope at this time. Yes. Yes. It's easy to, I mean, when you really look at how vulnerable we are, in fact, a really good example, which... I know we talked about privately recently, and it was in the news where they were showing this giant solar flare in a in another solar system, in another system. And mm-hmm. I saw in passing an article that said any civilizations on those planets, which they surmised would have had planets, would have been, you know, devastated by this flare. And then you talk about the Earth and the history of, of flares and, you know, the sun is waking up and so you can become really insecure i mean because this is not you know it's not exactly the most stable planet that we're we're on (laughs) no planet is i mean yeah and so how do you how do you approach that from a, a spiritual point of view well um i think you realize that everything you know um, to everything, there is a season and a time and every purpose under heaven. You know, <laughs> what was mm-hmm. that Ecclesiastes? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't remember, I should know the verse, but I, I mean, don't I know remember the verse, actually. But it is from the Bible, yeah. and then and there was that yes, song. And you know, the, everything does cycle. We see yeah. the seasons. Um, you know, it, it's shown to us every day in a larger way, and so um, there's death and there's birth and that keeps us the in breath and the out breath of the universe and so there's there's a time for everything and um yeah 
there was there was a um, a CD that I listened to of Eckhart Tolle that was uh, even the sun will die. That's uh, right. You know, everything there's a time for everything, and we're coming to the end of our time in this fourth world that the Hopi talk about. The great yeah, purification. We're, we're getting very close to it. We're probably we're in the end times now. Yeah. Well, I think from multiple traditions, people are feeling that way. Now, to me, I would have a harder time with it if I wasn't spiritually aware. It just makes life easier in general. I mean, even the smaller mm-hmm. crises in, in life. But maybe if you're not spiritual, it feels like, oh, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, that could be too. I just, I don't know that I have ever truly been... I've never been an atheist. I mean, I just didn't know how to label things. or I always had this feeling there was something. I never rejected it completely. And so I don't know what that would feel like. How about you, Joan? Yeah. When you were young, were you ever at one point just a total total skeptic? And by the way, I'll say to the audience, those of you unfamiliar with Joan Serio, and if you're listening in the podcast, which those of you who are here will be because we're in the 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 after show, so to speak. Um, I'll put information in the description about Joan, but but you have a biology degree and an education degree. I know, as I recall, and you've written about many spiritual, you've written multiple books, have been on this program multiple times in the past, and, and I've been on your, your old show. Now it's on YouTube, but you have that scientific background. Were you, and I can't remember if you've said this somewhere else, were you a skeptic at, at, or a materialist, or did you strictly believe in the me- mechanistic um, point of view at any time in your life? Well, as a, a high school-aged uh, student, um, I was very interested in biology, and very interested in science, and I, you know, it was that day that probably cinched it for me. But I think because we were talking about reproduction and uh, meiosis and mitosis and, you know, and at uh-huh. one point we all were a single fertilized cell. And I remember looking down at myself and I almost jumped out of my seat. You know, I was like, how in the world? Did I yeah. or this body or every cell know how to differentiate and to make this organism that I call Joan? Yeah. And yeah. I remember also as, as a younger child, though, having experiences where um, I think it was like past life experiences when watching movies yeah. and just, um, you know, reacting, reenacting what happened in the movie or um uh, I was brought up Catholic, and I would go to church because I felt like that was my family. (laughs) And there were statues there in the church, and I would go and pray to the statues, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'd go and talk to them. They they were, you know, it was it was um, it was just the um, sometimes I call it a bleed through of past lives. Yeah. Um, of when I was, you know, um, in some kind of religious sect, 
or whatever, and it just felt like home. It felt familiar to me. Yes. And yeah. and so it was just probably one thing after another that confirmed that there has to be more than just what meets the eye. Yes. And, um, you know, that's one of my favorite quotes from St. Exupere is, you know, what is essential is you know, invisible to the eye. Invisible. To the, yes, that is a good a good quote, and you know, you know for uh, me, there, there's more to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me as a child, it seems nature was really important because I was growing up. You know, I would go into the mountains, and a child of the west, so to speak, and mm-hmm. and I felt really connected to nature, but I didn't quite know how to to label it. Um, I did write a story when I was really young. I have it somewhere in a box where I, I find it just a fascinating story that I wrote when I must have been no, certainly no older than third grade, and I think it might have even been second grade, somewhere in that range, where I wrote about a whole different planet with these amorphous beings that I called the Wadadelphians or something like that. Um, <laughs> And yeah, very close to that. I don't have it in front of me because I've lost the, I've lost touch with this story. But I know it exists somewhere in, on a paper. And um, they lived in this other world, and then they were underwater. These beings, and then they were born. They suddenly went into this tunnel from this other world. So they're having this like, you know, get together under the water on this other planet. And all of a sudden, they all entered these, this tunnel one by one. I can't quite remember the story. If one of them said goodbye, you know, he was going to the tunnel, or they all went into the tunnel together. I think they went into the tunnel together. And I don't even know how I knew this at this age because in my, I mean, we did not talk about reproduction. I mean, this actually is related to reproduction, but that was, I would have been too young. I mean, maybe, I don't think I witnessed. We had some puppies, our puppies came to us from a neighbor when I was a couple years younger, but I didn't witness them being born, and I didn't live on a farm. I mean, I just don't think I would have ever witnessed this at such a young age, and it wasn't like, you know, nowadays they start teaching people things, you know, when they're in preschool. Well, not in my day and not in church, certainly, and not in school. I then said they went through this tunnel and they were born, I must have been told somehow how the puppy was born. I can't imagine, unless I just didn't even know. I mean, I knew it some other way, that these became born as puppies, that these beings came into our world. They were these amorphous beings under the water in this other place. They went through a tunnel, and they were born as puppies. And I wrote this story. And I think it's a pretty amazing story because I was thinking that they were coming from some other place. I mean, and I clearly connect. Uh-huh. I I had just had a new dog that did come to us as a puppy. My first dog was in the, a couple years of this story. But how did I know? How did I know this? <laughs> I mean, that you start out someplace else and one can theorize about dogs. Many people do think dogs have have souls for sure i do mm-hmm. i think they come back to us even and it, it became born here and it, it's just a very unusual story and i wonder what my teacher thought 
I had no idea what kind of teacher I had, if she was a skeptic, if what she thought about that story, because it was so unusual. But to me, it, it suggested reincarnation, somehow knowing that you come from one place, mm-hmm. and and even um, trans, um, you know, different types of beings reincarnating as different types of be- beings. And, you know, later in life, um, I had seen something where, you know, we're connected, and some people have said this, to the dolphins and the whales, um, that something in my personal experience that suggested this. So, And that's a really, this is a pretty intense topic to jump into, but who knows? I mean, and what is reincarnation? You know, I mean, what different things, what different beings on the planet could be coming from a spiritual place when we just think of them. I mean, I think dolphins are so intelligent and whales as well. Mm-hmm. So when you say that we have these past lives and how do we, you know, how does spirituality help us through these end times? Well, if you know that you've been here before and, you'll, you know, and <laughs> again, you're part of the uh, the ebb and the flow of everything that you know that you're going to die, but that you're going to come back somewhere, someplace. Uh, as I say, life is the only game in town. So if it's yeah. not here, it's somewhere else. And, you know, and so it's okay. You know, and we're here for a reason. Um, and a lot of people say that we volunteered to be here at this time to experience this. I don't know. I don't know what mm-hmm. I was thinking, actually. <laughs> But anyway, well, I think everybody's um, saying that. <laughs> Thinks about that it's by now. choice. I'm like, you know? Really? And really, I, 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 I uh, because for your listeners out there, um, I have Earth Energy Forecast on Blog Talk Radio, and there's still a lot in the archives that you can listen to. And it was all about what's happening right now on the Earth, and I also have a Facebook yeah. page with that, and I keep people up to date with Earth changes and what's going on there. And then on my YouTube channel, it's Envisioning a New Earth, and I'm interviewing different people to talk about, you know, okay, well, how can we think about what's coming next and prepare for what's coming next? And uh, and, and just to um, focus on the new world and not the crumbling of the old, because that's all we see around us. And to have yeah. our energy go towards, you know, more of creation. But, you know, it's a cycle, you know, from yeah. chaos, you know, comes creation, destruction. And then, I mean, it just it just keeps cycling around. Yeah. You know, we get so attached. I had this weird experience in the past week. Um, but this, this may sound rather morbid, but it has something to say about time. Because the thing is, and this is related to the spiritual realm and what, who we are and where we continue, but even in physicality, I was thinking about the notion of burial. I was driving past the cemetery. And, you know, I, I have a thing about this. I know some people are really, and, and hopefully I'll be on the planet for quite a long time and this isn't some, some immediate thing to think about. But I was thinking about burial. You know, do you get buried? You get cremated, and I'm not a cremation. I'm not a Buddhist. I mean, Buddhists believe in cremation. Some cultures do. 
I believe in burial. Um, and that may be my cultural background as well. Many conservatives believe in burial. So anyway, that's the morbid part of this, is driving past the cemetery. All of a sudden, it just came to me. First of all, that's for the people who come after more than you, more immediately, of course. But beyond that, it's like, and I was thinking about everything on this planet, and this notion of the moment you transition, the moment you cross the veil, the moment you die from this current life, what difference? I mean, it's as if everything's going to be done. This entire planet, time has no meaning. We think about linear time being a long time, that it'll be, you know, many, many years before the Earth is is consumed probably by as the sun, um, it, or maybe sooner, depending. But <laughs> you, you become dust immediately, essentially. I mean, there is no time. There is, I mean, it could be a, a minute is as much as a million years. I mean, and... And I will say, years ago, I've talked about on this program, as I've explored, that I've had some higher experiences in the past. And the nature of time was a big deal there, where very similar. And actually, I had a point where I was standing and observing, like an observer, the whole history of the earth, the whole past and the future. And in that particular um observation the sun became a red giant or so i thought i was trying to interpret what i saw but the sun consumed the earth the earth was consumed by fire and the sun and it was the sun i knew that and and in that particular experience i felt like i was one with the sun and then i felt it got bigger this was a really powerful experience i had a number of years ago during my awakening talked about this on the show i had a a close call with death, and there were other things going on in my life. A lot of things happening. So many things happened at that time. I even hit my head. You could explain it about a gazillion ways. But I had these higher experiences. And one of them, I was standing and watching the history of the earth, the future and the past, outside of time. And you got this feeling of timelessness and then of oneness, because in that I felt like I was one with the sun and then I felt like I was, um, you know, one with the universe. And then I was watching the Big Bang. I mean, it went all the way back, and I was watching that. And um, it was very powerful. And then many years later, I haven't even told this story on the show, I met this psychic at a, at a, um, at a conference. I was gifted his seminar, and I don't think it matters if I say who it was. It was John Holland. And during this seminar, he was able to see. He just honed right. He is. He really is aware. This. I, I would love to connect with him again. He knew right away that I had been through something of this nature. And later, he told me that I was carrying. He could. I was carrying the sun. And that really freaked me out. It's like he. He said he could feel the energy of the sun. S-U-N, around me in some way. I thought that was incredible, that somehow he was able to discern that I had had this experience that I couldn't explain, and he knew that I'd had it, too. And he, you know, even looked at it and said, wow, you know, like, that must have been really hard, and it was. And 
Um, and so, and he knew this without my saying a word. I didn't say a word to him. He knew nothing about me. I was gifted a seminar. I was going to sit in the back. I didn't even want to participate. And and he just somehow saw this. So, um, and we all are is the point, really. I mean, we're inseparable from the sun. We're inseparable from the earth. We're inseparable from the multiverse, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah, so what was it like for you to feel that sun? That part, you don't feel, it was not egoic. I mean, that story sounds a little bit egoic, like what? You know, you're carrying the sun. No, I'm not saying it in that way. It's like somehow he was able to glimpse my experience. Um, we're all caring. We're, we are inseparable from the sun. We don't realize well, that. Well, we all have our own suns within our hearts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and that's true. You've written, Who knows what he was seeing? But to me, it seemed a reference back to, to some of that because it was so powerful. It was timeless. It wasn't impersonal either. I felt, in fact, right after all of that, I was helping another friend um, with a story, which she led, later developed in a different way. But I was helping, and it may still contain some of this. I can't remember. Maybe someday I'll write my part of the story in a different way. It was a children's story. This feeling of sentience, that this, get this, this is what came through, that the earth was sentient, and that the mm-hmm. planets were sentient, and that the sun mm-hmm. was sentient, and everything was aware. That's uh-huh. what I felt. And I was yeah. still myself, but I was able to have this awareness of everything being sentient as real beings. In fact, at the time, um, I described it, I, I actually felt for a while the earth more than anything. Um and um, I described it to somebody um, that was assisting me at the time with sorting through some of this. You know, what I was, she was from, um, she was actually a, a counselor from the Unity um, Church. And a friend, the same friend I was helping with the story, advised me to talk with her. And it was helpful. And she was fascinated, you know, by some of what I was describing of feeling oneness with the earth. And I could feel like it was sick, that too. I felt like the earth was suffering. I mean, and I was describing this at the time, and I wasn't having an experience at that time. I was just, you know, normally going about my business, but yet I could feel this oneness that lingered. Now, over the years, it's been so many years now, this was many years ago, I don't feel it as presently as I did then. Um, I, I mean, I know it on an intellectual level, more like the audience, like describing it. And I feel intuitive, but it's not as powerful. Back then, it was more a powerful knowing. I mean, it was like it left, it's kind of like that psychic saw, and I guess it, I still carry it to some degree. It left its signature on me, having this experience. But it's not mm-hmm. as powerful now. And there may be others in the audience who've had these experiences. And let me say, you know, within my family, 
um, because of the nature of my grandfather's church and all of the relatives, they were all visionaries. I mean, this was a part of their path. And so it was it was on a particular tradition, but it was more accepted. Um, and there are certainly throughout history, there have been cultures who have accepted this more. We're very much, it, and it's a dangerous realm. You don't want to just dabble in this realm. That's why I'm always cautious, because it really is. Um, and um, you have to be careful. And Catherine Lucas, who, who's been on your show and, and she's been on mine, and I've known Catherine for a while. She talks about, you know, when you have one of these spiritual emergence experiences, I mean, they're really powerful, and they can, it's it's hard to stay grounded. Um, but, um, but anyway, I was able to integrate it. I better look at the time. I know we're getting close to the end. We're going to get cut off in a minute. Yeah. Um, we only have a half hour over. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, it's... Um, this is a part of the human experience. And I do believe that because our culture doesn't know how to integrate such things or to learn from such things, that it's happening to people in different ways and that they can help us. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's taken me, over the years I've briefly talked about it on the show. I mean, PMH Atwater came on years ago, and she said what happened to me was like a pseudo-NDE because she's a big NDE expert. Right. But I don't often talk about it, as you know. So leave it to Joan Serio to come on my show to get me to talk about this more, although I haven't talked about it more <laughs> lately. <laughs> but you know what? I know there are people out there who've had similar experiences, and how do you feel about mm-hmm. it? I mean, you can't mm-hmm. just... If if what I yeah. have to say is of help to you, I mean, and you can be, you know, do you go about, all of us who are spiritual, we go about what we do in the world. I mean, after that point, I mean, I went on, I was doing all kinds of, leading all kinds of things and doing all kinds of, um, you know, working in computer science and doing things in volunteer leadership and all sorts of stuff. You can be a spiritual person but you can't. You do need grounding is important. I mean, but um, yeah. but once yeah. you can integrate these things, but you're forever changed. And for mm-hmm. me, I probably yeah. stay farther away. Well, and I don't want to go. I, it you, nobody wants unless you're in some culture where you literally can go on a vision quest and be in you know that place and time and and. Most people can't be in that state, you know, not not and function in the world. You really can't. So anyway, I'm going to leave you almost, with yeah. um, with just a couple more words, and then we're going to get cut off again to the audience. Um, I'll let you tell them about you again one more time, just sort of find you. For me, you'll be able to find this show, and I'll be including some information about Joan and. You know, maybe the universe is tricking me into guests a little bit. I don't know, <laughs> possibly through Joan. Um, but I'll provide some information. FrontierBeyondFear.com is the site for this show. And I encourage you, if you want to know about shows coming up, look on Facebook, look on Twitter. Those links are on the page. Or follow the show on Blog Talk Radio if you want to get a – you have to get a Blog Talk Radio account to do that. If you're a host on Blog Talk Radio, feel free to follow the show. I invite that. So, Joan, tell them once again how they can find you real fast. We're going to run out the time. Right. <laughs> Earth Energy Forecast, just go to Facebook. It's a Facebook group, facebook.com slash Earth Energy Forecast, or just search Joan Serio on YouTube. 
and it's my show, Envisioning a New Earth. Great. Well, thanks so much for being here, and thank you for the listeners, and it was really nice to talk with you, Jen. It led to some really good places, I felt, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us, and I hope you do find, I hope the audience does go and explore the things. Joan is really doing some some research, I mean, in-depth research with a lot of other researchers, really bringing them on, so Thanks again, everyone, for being here. Gosh, maybe it is going to let us go over. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm going to end the show anyway. I guess I'll play the music and see if it plays. But um, but anyway, thank you, everyone, well, thanks, for being here. And thank you, Joan. Take care, Joan. You and, too. Um, you too. Thank you. Um, and as to the audience, I'll be back again next Saturday. Um, Right now, I'm pretty consistently coming in every Saturday um, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And when it warrants, I'll let the show go longer. For now, I always schedule the live show for 30 minutes. But if I had a longer topic, I'd make it longer. So find find us here, um, FrontierBeyondFear.com. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you.